Second hour of Follow the Money here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Jonathan Von Tobel, Matt Humans with you. Coming up in five minutes, Jeff Seeley, golf handicapper at Cupmaker Jeff, is going to be with us to discuss the Wells Fargo Championship. Humans? Yeah, looking forward to uh, Jeff jumping on today. Also, Stephen Hennessy of uh, Golf Digest. So, we will talk about Quail Hollow this week, and uh, uh, we'll do some more golf handicapping uh, later in the show. You've got some hardcore. Analytics to look at. Calm horses for courses, baby. If you're going to uh, handicap by the numbers this week. And so Jeff Seeley, Stephen Hennessy, and JVT's inside the numbers look at some of the contenders this week at Quail Hollow. Here's what I want to know. Stephen Curry. Oh, boy. At age 33, is he going to win his second scoring title? Because it sure looks that way. Dude, he's uh, he's been freaking great over he, the last He put up like, 23 point attempts last night. Yep. Look, and so this is the story about the Golden State Warriors. So last night we get this uh, contest between these two clubs. New Orleans Pelicans ends up getting the uh, 108-103 win. A very big win, too, by the way. Remember, they're playing three games down the stretch here. This is the second one. Pelicans trying to catch up to potentially get into that final seed. And the Spurs kind of scuffling a little bit near the end, so we'll see if they can surpass them at some point. But Pelicans close as a two-point favorite humans. They win, they cover, they split the back-to-back here with the Golden State Warriors. Here's the thing, and you and we talked about this yesterday when it came to handicapping the Warriors, and especially against a team like the New Orleans Pelicans, where you are reliant on one guy in Steph Curry to generate your offense, and outside of that, you have not been playing well. Case in point, he went through that 14-game stretch where he was averaging nearly 40 points, and still over those 14 games, the Warriors were 18th in offensive efficiency. Mm -hmm. And then you get last night, where Steph Curry last night has 37 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, goes 13-29 from the floor, right? And yet, the Warriors average under a point per possession and barely get over 100 points in a 100-possession game because the other players have nothing to contribute offensively and you lose that game 108-103. to Not entirely true because Andrew Wiggins had one of his better games of the season. Yeah, 26 points. Yeah, he was 5 for 10 from 3. He only had one turnover in 39 minutes. I thought that was – actually, I watched a lot of this game. I thought it was one of the better games I've seen Andrew Wiggins play. But you're right. Typically, it's Curry. He's got to carry the offense. But – Wiggins did help him out last night more than usual. Uh, it's just those two guys combined for 33 point attempts. Mm-hmm. Wiggins and Curry. But then you get 13 for 30 between them with uh, Curry 8 for 20. And then you get no other player scoring more than that. Nobody else, <laughs> nobody else helped out, <laughs> right. but they did have uh, Draymond Green puts up some of the most unusual stat lines you're ever going to see. So yeah. good. 7, 12, and 9. That's he's such a, a good Draymond stat line. He's had. Some recently it was like two points, twenty rebounds, fourteen assists, things like that that are just wild. What does Barkley call him, Mister Triple Single? Like it's it's a pretty good nickname. I am I am more of a Draymond Green stuff fan than most people. I think defensively, too, oh, I like contributes Draymond a lot. A lot. I, I think he's outstanding, outstanding team contributor. Yeah. By the way, this is going to fly under the radar for a lot of people. But how about Lonzo Ball last night? Made seven threes and scored thirty three points. That's right, Lonzo Ball. Yeah. He's one of my favorite players. Developed really nicely, especially that good perimeter shot. And actually, anecdotally, pretty good story, how he failed to show up in a big way in the first game, actually told the Pelicans, I'll be better, I'm sorry about mm-hmm. that, comes out and drops 30 points yep. on 11-23 shooting, 7-13 from the floor. It's Follow the Money here on VSIN. This is Brent Musburger, and here is your VSIN action update. Now, here are the latest lines from my guys in the desert. Shane Bieber has struck out at least eight batters in 18 consecutive games. He's a $1.60 favorite today as Cleveland plays for its fourth straight win as they visit Kansas City, plus 150, seven over at Kauffman Stadium. 
The Braves at Max Freed on the mound, $1.30 favorite at Washington, plus 120, 8.5 flat at Nationals Park. Phoenix Suns, a point and a half favorite at Atlanta. The Suns have won five straight. They're tied for first in the Western Conference with Utah with a 47 and 18 record. Winnipeg looks to end a seven game slide. They're a dollar five dog at Calgary, laying a dollar 25. VSIN gives you the tools to increase your sports betting IQ and make the most of every bet, including our 24 7 video coverage, odds and analysis for every game, our daily members only best bets email, and in depth coverage each week in Point Spread Weekly. Now's the time to sign up for your 10-day free trial, vcin.com slash subscribe. With your action update, I'm Mike Senna. Get the latest vcin odds at vsin.com. And remember, cash and tickets is what it's all about. It's time to follow the money. With your hosts, Mitch Moss and Polly Howard. No Mitch Moss, no Paul Howard. They are taking a well-deserved vacation. It is Matt Humans and Jonathan Von Tobel. I want to remind you that you don't have to wait days for your winnings. You can cash on instantly with BetRivers' new feature, Rush Pay. Get your cash when you want in that BetRivers Sportsbook, the industry leader with exclusive bets, daily specials, odds boosts, and the most in-play betting options out there. As always, get $250 match bonus. Fastest payouts and only a one-time playthrough at Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer ballot in <coughs> Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Got to be 21. Gambling problem, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. Not valid in Iowa. Well done. There you go. BetRivers.com. That's right. Now, you look very presidential today, Matt Humans. Do I look like Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> Stoic, presidential. You know, you get to the point where some of these reports by ESPN are comical. We just watched one here where uh, the reporter was covering the Jaguars, and the report is Trevor Lawrence on his first day with the Jaguars looked, quote, presidential. <laughs> is that a story? Yeah, of course <laughs> it is. That's, that's a big story. Actually, uh, I upped the Jags' power rating by about a half point because of that. You know who else looks presidential every time you see him? Jeff Seeley. Jeff Seeley. Uh, I like it, yeah. Jeff Seeley's with us now. You can follow him on Twitter at CutMakerJeff. From a presidential man to a presidential course, Wells Fargo Championship, Quail Hollow. Much history there. What's up, Jeff? Gentlemen, how are you today? Glad to be with you. We're looking forward to a a fun week on uh, Webb Simpson's home course. Yeah, it is Webb. You love Webb. I don't know if you love him this week. He doesn't have a great track record here, actually, at Quail Hollow. Uh, but that was one guy I uh, played this week in the Wells Fargo Championship. Jeff Seeley with us now. Follow him on Twitter at CupMakerJeff. And uh, you're kind of a DeShambo guy. Is it fair to call you a Bryson DeShambo guy, Jeff? You know, it's it's funny. Um, I I I I played Bryson this week. He's number one in my model. I'll that's I'll I'll bury I won't bury the lead on you there. And um, I I I am a Bryson guy, and certainly this week, certainly some courses I am. Um, I you know I'm not a am I a huge fan of his? I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan, but man, I like betting on him. <laughs> he's I mean he's like we all know he's changed the game and. Man, if it plays long and plays tough, uh, Bryson's, you know, should be at the top of your list a lot of times. I knew you were going to be on him this week because I got your text message. 
And uh, this yep. is the longest par 71 on the PGA Tour at Quail Hollow. Uh, do, you, do you feel like that um, the the long drivers have a distinct advantage this week, Jeff, when you handicap it? Because when I looked yeah, at yeah, it, for- I, yeah, I kind of threw out some of the shorter hitters, some guys I might typically like. And Webb Simpson kind of falls on the, on the fringe of that, right? Yeah, I, I didn't play Webb this week. Um, I, I didn't. And, and I, I really, honestly, man, I took a little bit different approach this week. I played fewer outrights than I normally do. Um, and I played a lot more top 20. Because this is a really tough field. And there's, it's really interesting. I, I sort of looked at this week, and there's a, a lot of correlation, I think, as sure as you know, between Quell Hollow and Riviera. So mm-hmm. I, as I looked at guys this week, I looked kind of universally at their tournament history at Quail Hollow and at the Genesis or at, you know, at Riviera. And I sort of combined that and used that into one global handicap. And, you know, Bryson, you look at him as an example in his last four rounds, excuse me, last four tournaments between Quail Hollow and Genesis, he has two missed cuts and two top five. So, I mean, he's, he can certainly compete at these courses. He was fourth year last, last time he played. So, uh, yeah, I like Bryson. He's number one in my model. Um, and you're right. I'm, I'm def- definitely leaning towards longer hitters, especially longer irons, because you know these are, there's a ton of long par fives here. So it's a hand- handful of short drivable ones. But you, know, you hit a 300 yards, you still got a 200 yard approach shot, and and that's a critical stat this week. All right. So Bryson, right now, I think about the best price you can find on him, 14 to one, uh, and it looks like that's up at Circa right now, 14 to one on Bryson DeChambeau, JV. Uh, Jeff, I was just curious, you know, tying in the analysis w- with Bryson, you know, distance is important here off of the tee, but how important is accuracy on a course like this? Because Bryson DeChambeau, I think like 134th in terms of accuracy off of the tee, is that going to be important? It, you know, it, it is, but not as important as it is some years, JVT, yeah. because the, the rough's not going to be brutal. Um, they, they've, they've made the rough brutal here at times. They say it's not going to be as brutal this year as it has been. You know, it'll be two inches thick or so. Um, not, you know, it'll be thick, but not terrible. But if you recall the, the last U.S. Open uh, that Bryson won, the rough was really thick. And the guy's just, he's like the Incredible Hulk. He can hit, he, if anybody can hit out of the rough, Bryson can hit out of the rough. So I don't worry about him too much. Because again, a lot of these, in a lot of these instances, he's going to be hitting the seven iron out of the rough or something. And, and that's, that's no big deal for a guy like Bryson. So, yeah, I, I, I still like him. Um, another guy I really like, great out high my model, Sun J.M. Um, he's, he's played Genesis a ton. Uh, he's played here. Uh, excuse me, played Genesis twice. Um, but played here uh, last year, took 31st. Grades out really well, and he's 45 to 1. I actually got Bryson at Don DraftKings at 15 to 1. So that was a pretty good price on him. And, and Sun J.M. 45 to 1. Grades out really high. I got a trivia question for you guys. Who is the who is the PGA Tour golfer who has has won the most money in the history of the PGA without winning a tournament? <laughs> That's actually a good one. Uh, trying th- without winning any tournament at all. He has not won a tournament and he has won the most money without winning a tournament. That's a great. And the, the answer to this guy is he great. He, and the, the the answer is this guy grades out third in my model this week. But you got a guess for me? Mm. So, but really quick, Jeff, for clarification, he's yeah. never won a tournament in his career, or is this is just the most money he's won without winning a tournament? How about Harold Varner? That's a good guess. No, this guy is not. He has won the most money in the okay. history of the okay. PGA Tour without having a PGA Tour win. Cameron Tringale. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. He's he's third in my model this week, and he has played a ton here, a ton of Genesis, and really has sort of mixed bag results. Um, some top twenty fives, top thirties, top twelve, sort of all over the place. I bet him top twenty at at plus one seventy five. Um, <laughs> I'm not counting on to, to come out of that slump. I just thought that was an interesting, interesting trivia question. Yeah. I did bet him top twenty. Um, and another guy I played to win, who I liked a lot this week, um, Victor Hovland. I, I am a big Victor Hovland fan, as I think I think you are too, Matt. And uh, I, he's, I played him at twenty to one. Um, he took fifth with Genesis. Uh, great long iron player. Uh, and this is this is a tournament I think Hovland could win. Yeah, I look at Hovland occasionally when he's around that uh, thirty-five, forty to one price, and he, he's twenty to one this week. And Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds on long shots both landed on Victor Hovland this week, mm. so they they agree with you there, Jeff. We've got some exclusive uh, video here of a uh, a player who might be a sleeper in this tournament. You talk about big hitters off the tee, and uh, let's take a look at this video and you describe uh, to us what we're watching here. So this is my my ten year old daughter Myra. Uh, <laughs> she's uh, she's. She's yeah. She's I'm 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 really proud. She's been working her butt off on her golf game now, and she's ten years old, not quite five feet tall, and she can drive at two hundred yards. So uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, she's going to be. I'm putting her in the drive, chip, and putt this year, and she's playing on some uh, U.S. kids stuff. So hopefully she can or, or she can win me a trip to Augusta through uh, drive, chip, and putt because that's the only way I'm going to get there. Humans, would you make her a minus five thousand or six thousand favorite over me in a golf match? 10,000. Okay, that's what I thought. I noticed the drive she hit there did not hit the light pole. Yeah, yeah Jeff, I almost murdered humans one time at a par three. And it was the first time I've ever seen fear in humans' eyes. He actually hit a drive off a light pole, the ricocheted behind us, and almost hit me in the golf cart. Yeah, so. But I would always hold on to my first shot being one of the most pristine and beautiful golf shots I've ever seen in my life. That was. You did hit the green on the, your first shot, but... uh. That's pretty cool, man, of your daughter yeah. hitting it over 200 off the tee awesome. at age 10. Uh, that's great. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I told her if the only place she's allowed to get a scholarship outside of Indiana is in Reno, so I've got an excuse to move to Tahoe. What about UNLV? That wouldn't be bad either. That okay. wouldn't be bad either. I, 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 I prefer Tahoe to Vegas. Okay. Uh, all right, so how many? You said you played. Uh, you bet this event a little differently this week. The Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow in Charlotte, North Carolina. Again, the longest par seventy-one on the PGA Tour. Uh, so, how many guys have you played on the futures board? And then, how many top tens or top twenties have you played so far, Jeff? So I only played a handful. Uh, again, I told you the, the three guys I played and okay. Bryson, Sunjay, and 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 um, one. The only other one I bet I did take a flyer on a long shot on Brendan Steele. Um, he's interesting. Between Quail and Riviera, he has 16 appearances, only three missed cuts, and two top tens. So, you know, he's a really good long iron player. You wanted a bomb at 100 plus to one. I played him at 125 to one. But I played him five to one top 20. I like that a lot. Uh, he has, he's in his last three appearances here, he has two top 20s. So I like that bet a lot. I played, uh, I played your boy Fat Pat at top 20 at mm -hmm. plus 125. Mm -hmm. uh, Patrick Reed, after he's, he's played this course a ton. He's never missed a cut. And after his last five missed cuts, he's 22nd, 1st, 39th, 24th, and 6th. I think we'll see a bounce back from Reed. I played him top 20. And a guy who I 
never play. I never play. But I played him this week top 20. I played Phil Mickelson at plus 650 top 20 because his course history here is just phenomenal. And his, his form right now is actually fairly decent. So I played, uh, I played Phil as well, top 20. All right, let's play this game. I'm going to throw a player at you, Jeff, and uh, you give me about a 30-second answer, pro or con, how you would feel about betting that player in this tournament this week. And I'm going to start okay. with uh, Rory McIlroy. I'll give you the circa odds, 18-1 to 1 on Rory, who's got a great track record here. Hard pass. <laughs> hard pass. Hard <laughs> pass. I, um, I think he's lost. Um, I've just... He's, and he can't putt. Right now in the last 24 rounds, he's 106 strokes game putting. Rory's a hard pass for me this week. No chance. Okay. Ricky Fowler. <laughs> uh, maybe harder pass. Um, <laughs> he, I just I, I can't believe the, uh, the price on him. The price on him isn't high enough. Um, I'll I, I tell you what. I would actually – I'll tell you there's a random name who's kind of high for me this week. I would take Chesson Hadley head-to-head against Ricky Fowler this week. That's a big statement. And Chesson Hadley's, I don't know, 200-1 to 1 or something. Um, I, I prefer like a guy like Chesson Hadley. Ches- and, uh, so, no, hard, hard pass on Ricky Fowler. No chance. Okay. Yeah, Ricky and Rory both have really good track records here at Quail Hollow. That's why I wanted to see if you had any interest in uh, either of those two players. I'll, I'll throw one more, a guy who's played well on this course in the past, but really hasn't shown a lot of signs of contending, but does have shown more than those two guys. How about Jason Day? You know, I am you could you could talk me into Jason Day. Um his his form is bad, but the the price is good. Um his course history is good. And of those three guys, Jason Day by far and away is, is the one I would play. Um, you know, I, I think he can he's at least to show me some life something somewhat recently. I just um Day would be the one of the three. Uh, the other ones, I'm I'm a hard pass. Okay, I kind of thought you might answer that way. Day at sixty to one, Ricky at eighty to one. Jeff Seeley with us at Cupmaker Jeff on Twitter. Uh, JVT, you want to throw your analytic uh, model at Jeff Seeley and uh, see what he thinks of what you put together here? Well, you already did though. All those golfers were on that list that you just mentioned. So I like to go, like, Jeff, what I'll usually do for these golf tournaments is go over, you know, Data Golf has that great interactives where you can look at true strokes gained on a lot of these courses. I like to whittle these guys down. You know, I like larger sample sizes, obviously. So, like, large sample size compared to true strokes gained. And a lot of these names that humans just threw at you popped up on it, right? You know, it's all correlated to course history. Uh, Roy McIlroy leading the way, 38 rounds played, plus 2.76 in terms of true strokes gained here at Quail Hollow. Jason Day was one that really stuck out to me, 20 rounds, second at 2.4. Yeah, we can go down the list, and you mentioned one name that really did stick out, and you said at top 20, you know, Phil Mickelson, he's 200-1 here at Circuit to win this thing. I don't know if he wins it, but the extensive course history, over 60 rounds played, the third best true strokes gained rating when you, when you, you know, use sample size on top of it. And then, of course, the rest of it, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Patrick Reed. But I guess we'll ask you about Thomas. We haven't done a lot on him, plus 11.25 here at Circa. What do you make of him? Because him, out of all these guys – have the shortest amount of rounds here played at about 14, but an insane true stroke scene at plus 2.3. Yeah, you know, I, I don't mind Justin Thomas this week, um, but it's, uh, when, when you look at that price range, I prefer John Rahm and I prefer Bryce. Yeah. So, um, you know, Justin, I'm, I'm a Justin Thomas guy in general. I'm, I'm generally a fan. Um, I like to play him, but, you know, I, again, course history for JT, he's 21st miscut and 7th. That's not bad. 
missed the cut his last two trips to Riviera, but then he's got a second there. So, I mean, you could, you could, I, I, you could make a case for Justin Thomas, I suppose. But then look at John Rahm. John Rahm was fourth by last trip here to Quail Hollow, and he was fifth at the Genesis of Riviera. So, I mean, I'm taking John Rahm over Justin Thomas all day. Wow. Okay. All we'll day. We're going head-to-head. I've Early got day. Thomas over Rahm this week. I, I got JT over Rahm. Hey, uh, Jeff, you coming back out to uh, Vegas for the PGA? I, I'm not, unfortunately. Okay. I, I will be. Uh, I'll be, but I will be at the draft virtually. So uh, Brady, Brady's gonna gonna Skype me in there. So I'll be Ooh. virtually. I'm looking forward to that. That's a ton of fun. You guys can take my money again. All right, that's our uh, gambling draft for the PGA in a couple of weeks. JVT, you're gonna be there for I that as well, even though you missed the Masters draft a few weeks. Ago. Well, I had to do nightcap. It wasn't my fault. Yeah, blame Tim Murray and blame Brian Rogers. That one. Hey, thanks a lot, Jeff. Uh, good luck this weekend. Accept on your bets on Fat Pat. Thanks, man. <laughs> thanks, boys. <laughs> okay. Take it easy. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff, uh, up on Twitter as well. All right, we have a lot left to get to. Uh, hey, Tony Miller, we got to talk about this. Ultimate Football Challenge back today. You can sign up for the, I think, the best football handicapping contest in town because it involves something unique. Okay, well, we'll talk about that when we come back here and follow the money. OddsTrader.com studio at Circuit Resort and Casino, OddsTrader.com. Download the free OddsTrader app right now. Start winning with up to the second info you need. You can compare sportsbooks, sign-up bonuses, in-game tracking tools, all that and more. Visit OddsTrader.com. JVT, I tried to get Tony Miller of the Golden Nugget on the show today. He said, too early. Can't get out of bed that early. You guys talk about the contest for me. So we will. Will do. Uh, the Golden Nugget Ultimate Football Challenge UFC, but the football oh, yeah. version. Yeah, yeah. At uh, it, it's going to return and registration opens today. Wow! If you want to sign up for a football contest, here here are the details from uh, Tony Miller, the sportsbook director at the Golden Nugget. The Ultimate Football Challenge will open today. The True Pro and College Football Contest. So, I believe it's still seven selections a week. Against the spread, oh, and you can use seven NFL games. You can use seven college football games, or a combination. You could use five NFL games, two college, vice versa. Six and one, one and six. You could do that too. Wow, one thousand dollar entry fee, three entries allowed per contestant, and this year, which makes the contest even more attractive. You can make your selections on the mobile app. Wow. So you can do it on your phone. You don't have to drive downtown if you don't want to and uh, put in your plays. I've been in this contest in the past. Paul Stone, yep. Dan Saley, a lot of guys you know. Scott Kellen, right? Uh, Scott Kellen in this contest. Scott's mostly an NFL guy, so the college football aspect of it didn't really appeal to him as much. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, um, I would say, 95% 
an NFL guy when it comes to uh, handicapping, but this combines uh, the NFL and college football. And why I like this contest so much is that you just don't find college football contests anywhere else around town. I sat out there with Derek Stevens one night at the Mega Bar a couple months ago. We we're talking about college football contests, football contest ideas. And I said, How about, you know, a Circus Sports Million version of college football? Instead of just NFL, mm-hmm. have one for the NFL, one for college. Where he goes, Ah, no interest from Derek. Not enough people care about college football, he says. It, wouldn't, it would not create the same type of. Uh, Public interest. Buzz. Yeah. And uh, he just doesn't want to do it. He wants to do something big. He always wants to do something bigger and better. He just doesn't believe college football is uh, appeals to enough people. I love the college football handicapping aspect of uh, this contest, so I'm definitely going to be in the ultimate football challenge at the Golden Nugget. I like it. And years past, too, when I was a lowly radio producer and this was different, uh, they used to include totals, too. Right? They've taken yeah, it off well, the board. And that was just a playing stale totals for the most part and kind of taking advantage That's, there. you know, and a lot of guys objected to that, but hey, no matter how you set up a contest, there are always right. going to be guys who complain about it. Only $1,000 entry fee too, right? So you get in on that. The, the problem is entries. when you put the totals up, you know how totals can move on Wednesdays and Thursdays and late in the week. Especially and then in college football. You get a right? lot of guys who entered the contest and would just put all seven picks, they would just play the stale totals that were on the card. And that takes the uh, some of the handicapping interest out of the contest. You get I had a lot of guys who just land on the same plays each week because they would play the stale totals. So when hey, does it start? Well, you can sign up today. Oh, this morning, like sign-ups open at the Golden Nugget for the Ultimate Football Challenge. Hey, did Neymar die on the pitch yesterday? Uh, let me see. Neymar obituary. Search for that. No, he's he's still out. He's still he out there. No, he's, he's He still said out. he was willing to die on the pitch to beat Man City. We had uh, Nigel Seeley on the show yesterday. Can you do? Can you give us a quick Nigel Seeley imp- impersonation? The pressure is too much. When I'm asked to do it, I can only do it off the off the cuff. Off the air, that was one of the best I've heard. You have got to do that on the air. I see. I'm, I'm. I'll do it at random at some point. I'm psyching myself out. I can't. Just like well, there was one time where you asked me to do my spot on Paul Howard impression off the air. It's brilliant. When I do it on the air, I can't do it as as well. If I put you on the spot, you just can't. You just can't crumble. perform on the spot. Just under crumble the spotlight. under the pressure. Two nothing yesterday. Nigel said, "Be careful with uh, playing the under, right?" Yep. Paris Saint Germain shut out, and Neymar did not die on the pitch, but his team did go down. Nope. So we did get a very solid result there. And by the way, you should point out too, uh, red card said that was thrown out there as well in that game, and uh, that was about two to one, three to one, depending on where you looked. So you got out there with that as well if you decided to follow along with that line of thinking. All right, we have left. Uh, we have lots left to get to. Uh, we still have the NBA card to dive into as a whole. We talked about one game, Memphis, and, of course, Minnesota. Uh, speaking of the NBA, got a text. Aaron Rennie's going to be with us in the next hour. we got the games that he is looking at at humans, and one of them follows that Portland Trailblazers team that is fighting, clawing, scratching their way to try to get out of that play-in spot, and we'll see if they Aaron can. Aaron Rennie also it. fired a big bet on uh, an NBA prop here at the uh, Circus Sportsbook. We'll talk about that as well. The one that was actually going to be a point of contention of the Hardwood Handicappers podcast this week. Can't wait.
bettors. You ready? Download the Points Bet app now. Sign up using promo code VSIN2K to get two risk-free bets of $2,000. When you bet with Points Bet, you get faster bets, faster withdrawals, faster rewards at your fingertips. Download the Points Bet app now to experience this premium sportsbook for yourself. So, are you ready? Terms and conditions apply. Avoid prohibited. Got to be 21 or older. 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Matt Humans. Aaron Renning coming up in a couple of minutes. Well, 26. Big lineup on tomorrow's show as well. Ooh, tell me about it. Nope. I'm going to give it away. Wait, what? Tune in tomorrow. Well, we have to tell Every them. day this week, we've had, a, I think, a, a pretty good lineup of guests. Can I tell them? Maybe even a great lineup of guests. And tell them one. On tomorrow's show? Wait, oh, wait. No, I don't know. I don't think he's on tomorrow. I think he's on Friday. Never mind. Yeah, don't give it away. All right. Because I don't even know, apparently. Friday show, Brian Windhorst. Is oh, that was going to be the oh, one. Okay. okay. Yeah, that was okay. Gonna be, yeah, Brian Windhorst is going to be with us on Friday. All right. We're going to break down the NBA in this segment, and JVT is going to do one game entirely in Nigel Seeley's voice. <laughs> I can't do it. Come on, man. You got to do it. I can say like a phrase. Off the air, your, uh, your impression of him is cracks me up. Can you do one NBA game? Well, I don't think it's, analyze the entire game in Nigel Seeley's voice. I think I don't even think it's Nigel Seeley. I just think it's a very unfair and generic British voice that I do. <laughs> so I, think, I don't think it's fair. The Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> I got well, I got one phrase out. That's all I got. I got nothing left. All right, the uh, Wi-Fi just went down. Oh That's no! Bad timing. The Wi-Fi. We all to handicap games like that, isn't it? <laughs> See, it's not bad. I'll start with. Uh, <laughs> what do you got? I'm going to start with there? the Knicks and the Nuggets here because we're going to we're going to talk about this game with Aaron Renning in the next hour. I'm thinking about playing the Knicks tonight. Talk me out of it or talk me into it. Uh, the Knicks catching three or three and a half at Denver. Uh, well, the Nuggets, uh, dude, the Nuggets are getting pretty beat up, and the injury lock is right. is really bad. We talked about that team. yesterday, and I was looking at that last night as well, and thinking. Uh, the three and a half on the Knicks is probably going to disappear. What do you think? Yeah, I would say that because, look, it's not only, as we know, Jamal Murray, Monte Morris still out, Will Barton still out. P.J. Dozier was lost in that game to the Los Angeles mm-hmm. Lakers with his own hip injury too. And Nikola Jokic, while he's going to play, is dealing with toe and foot injuries as well. So now we're just talking about a team that is not only shorthanded, your best player seems hampered by injury. They continue to perform. From an outright perspective, right? Like they're winning these games. They lost, of course, to the Lakers, but they're also not covering the games even when they win. So I think you're coming at this from the perspective of this team clearly still being a little inflated from their power rating by the betting market on top of the injuries that are piling up right now at this point. The New York Knicks have their own injuries that they're dealing with, right? Especially when you look at guys like Nerlens Noel, which is a really big piece for them defensively in the front court, right? Norvell Pell, questionable too. Backup big guy who's going to help with them. And Alex Burke, or Alec Burke, I should say who is a really good shooter, sprained his ankle. I don't know if he's going to play today. I understand wanting to look at the New York Knicks here. I think that this would probably be the side because the injuries just outweigh everything when you look at it from the Nuggets' perspective. And you saw it, right? Their offense really fell off against the Los Angeles Lakers Mm -hmm. in that game, and this is a Knicks team that performs very well on that end of the floor. So I would definitely rather be on the side of the New York Knicks here. From a spot perspective, injury perspective, everything just looks like it works in the Knicks' favor tonight. And three, you know, open three up to three and a half some spots. I think the three and a half, I'd grab it. I would expect that to go away, as you mentioned. That's one side I was looking at in the association. Knicks plus uh, three and a half, if you can get that. The Not that, that these trends matter much, but the road team has covered five in a row in the Knicks Nuggets series. And, well, and I, I wonder, too, I mean, the one thing that has stuck out to me, not even so much aside, and Aaron, uh, Aaron Rending so much better with these totals, and this one I wanted to ask him, 
but this potentially being like another low scoring game, right? You know, the offense falling off of so many shooters and scorers off of the floor for Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets, the Knicks, the way they play defensively, the slow pace for both of these teams. You know, this sets up to mm-hmm. me to be a pretty low scoring game and two fourteen and a half is the opening total, so it hasn't budged off of it. So you're still getting if you want to get under that, you can get the best number. I'd expect that to go down, but no, I'm gonna pick Yars brand on that too when we get to the next hour. All right, that's at the uh, bottom of the rotation, along with Spurs and Jazz. Yep. And uh, Utah, I think at most spots, can we call this seven and a half? Yep, that's what I got on my okay. screen at least. Look, I, I've been consistent with this, and I'm going to keep on this train of thought, and I have not bet a lot of Utah games. These two teams just played two nights ago. Uh, San Antonio stayed within. Uh, actually, no, it did not cover in that one. It was 110 to 99. It was a seven and a half point spread. But again, this is something I've mentioned with Utah a lot. They have only covered consecutive games two times in the last month and a half or so, but they're still at the top of the league in terms of their net rating. Their power rating has plateaued, and so you are getting spots where they're laying seven against Toronto, and they win by four. You get spots where they're laying, you know, uh, we'll talk 10 against Minnesota, lose the game outright, 12 against Minnesota, lose the game outright. You know, this is a team that is still playing at a high level, but their power rating is at a point where you're finding no value and really in betting on them. Now, I'll say, one of the things that I've been kind of waiting for over the last few games for San Antonio, you know, they lost Derek White, something that I've mentioned before, third-leading scorer. Their defense since the start of the second half, 18th in the NBA. Mm-hmm. That was something that I expected to regress there in the second half, and now their offense has maybe started to take a dip here over the last few games. Offense rating 102.2 against Utah. Offense rating 108.8 against Philadelphia, their last two games. So that has kind of been the worry here. Your defense is regressing. You lost your third-leading scorer. At some point, right, the regression is going to start to hit, and maybe it is starting to hit with San Antonio. So all that being said, this is one I kind of scratched off pretty easily because inflated power rating on one side and a regressing team with injury concerns on the other. And, by the way, I've got to check, but you know, Utah also. Mike Conley still dealing with the hamstring injury. I think he's not going to play again tonight, and we still don't know when Donovan Mitchell is going to come back too. So never really helpful when you're talking about that. Like, are, this, are the Jazz laying like 10 and a half, 11? If those two are on the floor tonight, pretty high. Yeah. Well, the Celtics have had trouble keeping uh, their stars on the floor together all season. Yep. Also but they are point. three games over 500 right now, 34-31. Boston, a nine-point favorite at Orlando. Would you lay the nine? Yep. And uh, I still so Orlando has played pretty well, right? Actually, I wrote the power ratings yesterday uh, for Point Spread Weekly, which is out today. It would surprise some people to look at Orlando this last week, and they went 3-1 and one straight up and against the spread. And you're like, wow, okay, hey, this team, maybe they're starting to find something here. Their opponents have been Detroit, Memphis twice, and Cleveland. It's not exactly anything to write home about, right? You're taking advantage of a pretty weak schedule. Boston has the capabilities of covering a spread like this, even if Jalen Brown's not going to play today, which it looks like he is not going to. Mm. So, again, the health being an issue there. The problem with Boston has been a defense which has been extremely inconsistent, and that's like it's, it's driven me wild because you just don't know when it's going to show up, right? Like I could talk about like Portland the other day where they put together three straight games of really solid defensive ratings. Like, well, that's not sustainable. And sure enough, they lose to Atlanta and they have a terrible defensive game. With Boston, you have no idea where it's going to come from, right? You can give up 127 in terms of your defensive rating to San Antonio or Charlotte. Then you can shut down other teams like a Brooklyn team at 106.9. Like I just don't know when this team is going to show up on a night-to-night basis. Well, the Celtics, what, the only team to lose to the OKC Thunder in the past month, uh, and, month and a half? Yep. That's, and that's what I'm talking about, too. Yeah. That game, that's, uh, Oklahoma City actually, and that was the inconsistent part about it. Oklahoma City only averaged 106.3 points if you put it out over 100 possessions, but their offense in that game, 102. Like, you just, both sides of the ball. You have no idea what's going to happen with Boston. It's been mind-boggling to me. Uh, all right, we'll get back to the NBA with Aaron Renning. We have many more things to get to as we head down the home stretch here of Follow the Money. 
DraftKings Sportsbook now. Get a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Simply download the app, sign up using promo code BSIN. Get started with the only top-rated sportsbook that matters, DraftKings. You can bet on it. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling, referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for sportsbook. Slash sportsbook, I should say, for full terms and conditions. DraftKings has a uh, nice prop up on Aaron Rodgers and his uh, next team. Where will he take his first snap? Good props. Good props. In 2021. And the Packers open his odds on favorites minus 125. Point spread weekly out this morning. Aaron Rodgers on the cover. Uh, I wrote my column about Aaron Rodgers and uh, some NFL draft recaps. Steve Mackinan's got a really good column on uh, NFL draft analysis. All of that and more in uh, Point Spread Weekly out this morning. Let's not talk about Aaron Rodgers today, though. Let's do that tomorrow. Let's, yeah, let's save that. Let's save that. Uh, let's talk about some of these rookies that we're going to see out there on the pitch, Matt Humans. Let's start with the sexy ones. Not like in terms of like them themselves, but like, of course, headlines anecdotally. The quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Let's discuss this. First off, Trevor Lawrence was talking with former VEASAN colleague Sam Paniatovich yesterday about this. Mm-hmm. Took the under on Trevor Lawrence passing yards, 4,150 and a half. <coughs> now, yeah, that's a big total. It is a big total. I actually find myself going over. Because the Jags, I don't know how good they're going to be. So I think what you have in your back pocket that is going to help you out are a lot of games in which they are in the fourth quarter trailing, needing to throw the ball a little bit more, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. And you know, Urban Meyer has, you know, loves his run game. We've seen it at Ohio State. Don't know what the scheme is going to be here, but I feel like you will rely on a Trevor Lawrence. It's also just the nature of the National Football League where over 4,000 yards is a lot easier to come by than we realize nowadays, right, in terms of the way that offenses are schemed up and ready to go. Well, you also have 17 games now right. instead of 16. 17 games. Been, now, he might not play 17 games, but 17 what? on the schedule. Talk about health? Put that evil on him, Rick. Well, Bobby. I'm not going to bet over a number like this because one injury and uh, you lose a prop. I would only look unders on uh, a majority of props like this because – there's a decent chance Trevor Lawrence is going to play 14 games instead of 17. Then you know, he's probably not going to pass 4,200 yards and get over this prop. It's a good point. And if they're resting in week 18 because you know they have home field advantage shown up, probably going to work against me too, right? Do you know the Chicago Bears <laughs> have never had a 4,000-yard passer? Really? Get out of here. Seriously? Kyle Orton didn't even do it. I love Chicago Bears' version of Kyle Orton. He was great. Never got there, huh? Bears have never had a a That's quarterback throw for four thousand yards in a season. Wow. Okay. That's quite the number. Not even Sid Luckman. Wow, really? Back in the day. You think <laughs> that he'd at least get close to it. Uh, what about Zach Wilson? What are your expectations for Wilson? I, I this is a really interesting situation because I like I one of the more fascinating things that I thought in the NFL draft was one thing that we knew was going to happen the entire time. <clears throat> Zach Wilson's ascension to the second best quarterback in this class yeah. after playing Louisiana Tech for 16 consecutive weeks, you know, for BYU. Obviously, sarcasm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you know, you get where I'm going with this. Zach Wilson, 3,800 in terms of the passing yards. And that's again in today's NFL. It's an extremely low total. But the thing that works in your favor there, if you're going under, which I would probably do, is they have, and this is just anecdotal observation. They they have the look of a team. Defensive coordinator as their head coach, or defensive guy with a background as their head coach. A hard-nosed, run-the-ball, you know, smash-mouth football team, right? You know what I mean? 
Like, let's run on Old first. school football. <laughs> let's run on first and second down gonna, and set them up on third and eight and see how cons- this goes. We're going to be conservative with right. the rookie quarterback. We're going to run the ball. I think one of the dumbest things you can do is run the ball on first down and second down and put the rookie quarterback in third and long. That's why when you saw the rumors that Julio Jones was going to go, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, uh-huh. when we said the rumors that Julio Jones was going to go to Tennessee, and they put out a tweet, Pro Football Focus, who stops this crew, right? It was like A.J. Brown, Ryan Tannehill, you know, uh, what's their running back who for some reason escapes me, who's awesome, Derek, Derek Henry, Henry, and yeah. Julio Jones. And every response was Mike Vrabel when he runs on three of four downs. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so of course, like the... The very conservative nature of offense for some of these teams really holds them back. And you could totally see that, too, by the way, for a lot of these. Now, I will say this, and you know how I feel about this. You know what really stuck out to me as some of these these rookie props? Najee Harris under 900 rushing yards. Get out of here. Mm. Under. Give it to me. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Let's see what the Steelers do with their offensive line between now and September. Uh, here's the thing about Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Etienne's prop is much lower, by the way. Uh, Harris at 900 yards, Etienne at 600. Etienne's going to be used as a weapon in the passing game quite a bit. They're going to put him in the slot. They're going to move him all over the field. And uh, in the passing game, I think he's going to have more of an impact on that uh, Jacksonville offense. Uh, Najee Harris is going to get plenty of carries. The Steelers are going to try to use him as a, uh, I'm not going to say a Jerome Bettis bus type of back. But they're going to use him as a versatile type of back who's also going to catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. You mm-hmm. know, if you go back to Saquon Barkley's, I want to say, rookie season with the Giants, he had, what, 90 receptions? Something crowd. I'll look it up right now. I'll, I'll get it. Yeah, my Wi-Fi is down. If you can look it up, that'd be great. I got you, man. I think Saquon had around 90, 92 receptions his rookie year. But he still had over 1,000 yards rushing as look well. Look at you. Right? Mind is still trapped. 91 receptions. Pretty good. And how many rushing yards did he have as a rookie? 1,307. That's pretty pretty impressive numbers, right? Pretty good. Yeah. I also think Saquon Barkley's a lot better than Najee Harris, though. I do, too. And uh, you know, But that Giants offensive line was pretty bad. Don't forget about that at the time. Uh, probably a little bit better than the Steelers offensive line is right now. Right. 900's not that big a number to get over if you're going to be the feature back for 16 or 17 games. Now, here's another thing. You know, another thing to consider if he suffers any type of injury like Saquon Barkley did last year, mm-hmm. you don't want to have over on a prop like that. Yeah, I think and you're alluding to my reasoning here. It was the reason why I didn't like the selection. It was not a, and this isn't either an anti Najee Harris play for me. It would just be an anti Steelers offensive line type of deal, right? You know, having one of the worst run blocking offensive lines in the National Football League. A uh, very big problem for them, and it was a big problem for the running game, which is why I didn't really get the selection. I'm not anti-running back in the first round. I'm anti-running back in the first round if you don't have a run-blocking offensive line in front of them, or, in the Jaguars' case, you have a 1,000-yard rusher from a season to go that actually performed pretty well, mm-hmm. who's pretty young, too. So, under 900 and a half. Najee Harris, all in on it. Very And I'm also just down on well, the Well, one thing about this draft, too, I thought was a little different. There were so many good offensive linemen, and this is one of the better offensive linemen drafts I've seen in a long time. It's so deep that... There were offensive linemen going off the board in the fourth and fifth round. I was like, wow, those guys could be starters in the NFL, and you can build a line that way as well. And, you know, if Najee Harris is going to be a big focus of what you do in the passing game too, I think you can make an argument that you can take a running back lower in the first round. See, it's a, there are different arguments to have on this. And uh, I saw Warren Sharp's tweet, you know, and he was bashing Pittsburgh Steelers for 
taking Harris. Mm. I'm not going to bash the Steelers because Harris is a phenomenal talent, and he can help him as a pass-catching back as well. And I, I thought you could beef up your offensive line with picks you know, in the second, third, fourth, fifth round too. Taking a running back with a fifth pick and taking a running back with the 25th pick is a totally different Correct. argument. Uh, and, You're not taking Leonard Fournette with the fourth overall pick right. of the draft. This is a 24th pick at Najee Harris, and I don't think there's, you know, I don't think that's a big sin that the uh, Steelers committed there. New York Giants, Saquon Barkley's rookie year, to your point, ranked no higher than 14th in Football Outsiders okay. run-blocking metrics. They got a lot of them, right? Adjusted line yards, power success rate, all of those things. No higher than 14th. That was a 1,300 rushing yard season. So mm-hmm. it has been done before. So you're absolutely right in that regard. It'll be interesting to see if he does get over 900 with uh, the way the Steelers' offensive line has been uh, criticized and what they can do to improve that line because uh, you're right, they were, their running attack was pathetic yep. last season in Pittsburgh. And Just, uh, that had mostly to do with the fact the offensive line was uh, in shambles. Mm-hmm. All right, what else do we have in terms of uh, props? So I'm going to throw this one at you, too. So we have receiving props for some of these bigger names, right? Kyle Pitts, who got his jersey from the Atlanta Hawks over. the other day. 750 and a half receiving yards. I would look over. Yeah? Yeah. The one under I'm looking at here, I didn't have a strong feeling on Pitts. And I by the Pitts way, if the great. Falcons happened to trade Julio, Julio Jones, Jones yep. at some point, you'd like to have over 750 on Kyle Pitts. Right? 100% Absolutely. agree with that. But Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle, seven hundred fifty and a half, seven twenty-five and a half. I think these two are going to be really good receivers. I don't think their quarterbacks are that good, though. No, and not. especially Devonta Smith at seven hundred fifty and a half. I, I think Jalen Hurts. Like I don't know if the Jalen Hurts era is going to be that great. Like from a grading perspective, you watch him in the PFF stuff. Like he doesn't grade that high. The eye test was not that great when you watched him down the stretch for the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know if this is a new era, and I, I think this passing game is going to struggle here a little bit. So, and I, you're getting an inflated total, right? Generally, these receiving props on these rookies for these first round guys are going to be a little inflated. Now we get the Heisman Trophy winner from a season ago that everybody loves at seven fifty and a half under. Everybody loves him. Almost everybody loves him. You're right. That's not fair. I know you love him. You told um, me the other day he was the greatest wide receiver you've ever seen. I do, I do like Devonte Smith, but I'm I like Jalen Waddle better. You know, mm-hmm. I thought he was going to be drafted before Smith, who's, again, 165 pounds. And I don't think you've been 165 pounds since you were in junior high. That's correct. No, but Smith's like that was he's unnecessary. Gonna, he's going to be a really good NFL receiver. And I, I don't think these totals are too high, 750, 725. The problem I have with betting over on Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddles is just what you said. Jalen Hurts and Tua? We don't know what these guys are as quarterbacks yet. Yep. Uh, and what we do know has not been that impressive uh, to this point. And even though I don't think Matt Ryan has a lot of gas left in the tank, I do trust Matt Ryan to help Kyle Pitts get over 750 and a half because we know the Falcons are going to put the ball in the air and Matt Ryan's going to lean on Kyle Pitts to make some big plays. Well, and you, you made the greatest point of that one. The Julio Jones rumors are out there. If he's gone, there's target, you know, one B potentially behind Calvin Ridley, who they exercise their fifth year on. That's going to be a a very big target for a former MVP there. All right, last hour of Follow the Money. We're going to have Aaron Renning with us as we discuss what he's looking at in the NBA tonight. We'll throw the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves series at him, too. We're not done with golf either. There's plenty left to get to in the last 60. Don't go anywhere here on v the Sports Betting Network. 